Hey everyone, two quick notes before we start the episode. First off, we've changed the name of real or fake to fact or fiction, basically because I didn't want to propagate the term fake news. And secondly, there are spoilers in the episode regarding the Netflix series Tiger King. And you'll hear me say, if you haven't watched the show and you don't want to hear spoilers, skip ahead now. And at that point, skip ahead to 3154 in the episode, and that'll take you to the start of fact or fiction. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Panel Show Podcast. Each month we bring together two real journalists and two improvisers in character to talk about real world issues, topics, and events. This episode tonight is being recorded on Tuesday, April 28th, 2020, live from our homes over the internet via Zencaster, as everyone is still social distancing. I'm your host, David Shore. Let's meet tonight's panel. First, our journalists. He's a columnist for the Globe and Mail and also a regular on CBC's At Issue. Please welcome back Andrew Coyne. Hello, Andrew. Good to be with you. Good to have you here. Uh, And he's the Queen's Park, a.k.a. Provincial Parliament Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star. Please welcome back Robert Benzie. Nice to see you, David. Well, we're, I wish we could see each other, Robert. <laughs> no, actually, I'm at your window. I can see you. That's creepy. I'm on the 13th floor. <laughs> and tonight's improvisers are appearing as she's a mother of two. Please welcome to the show the totally not real Donna. Hello, Thank you, Donna. David. Tyler, put that down. Tyler. David, hi. Hello, hi. Hi, hi. Thanks for being here. Yes, thank you. And and our last panelist, he's a supervillain and the nemesis of Batman. Please welcome back to the show the completely fake Bane. Greetings. How are you, Bane? I'm good. Greetings. Hello. I just finished a talent show here at Arkham Asylum. Oh, how did that go? I, my harmonica playing was awesome. That's good to know. How did you play it through the mask? It's difficult. Uh, practice, practice, practice. All right. Let's go to our first topic. Are the big banks pulling their weight during the COVID-19 crisis? While Canadian banks are allowing a lot of their mortgage customers to defer monthly payments, they're still charging interest on those payments, which in the end means people will be paying more for their mortgage and the banks will be earning extra profit. Panel, do you think that it's right that the banks profit due to the coronavirus? Uh, Robert Benzie, why don't we start with you? Uh, if I say anything bad about the banks, will it reflect on my permanent record? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think that it is disappointing that they are not doing as much as they could do. Uh, I thought that when they agreed to cut interest rates for on credit cards from you know twenty one or twenty two percent to ten or eleven percent, I thought that was a little rich. It wasn't exactly the uh, the kind of uh, reprieve I think a lot of people were expecting. And sure, it looks bad on them that they're going to be profiting from. Uh, the the misfortune of so many Canadians, people who have lost their jobs, people who have lost their livelihood, and who are going to be having to still pay their mortgage. Uh, mm-hmm. A three month reprieve is great, but it's if you pay if you're paying more interest over the course of your mortgage, that's it's not that great. And you brought up an interesting point at the top. You were like, you know, will will I get in trouble for saying this? Will it go on your record? Is what you said, and apparently it will affect your credit history if you do defer. So that's a, another uh, strike against people uh, on that. Bain, what are your thoughts on the well, bank's actions? At least when I do my crimes, I try not to be so subtle about it. I don't <laughs> hide behind, you know, little facts in the small print. I make it big and noticeable. That being said, I am deferring my mortgage on my secret underlayer hideout. I just, I, I've applied for the SERP benefit and I'm hoping it comes soon. 
I didn't realize you were a taxpayer. Well, I've got many passports in many different countries. Okay, we're going to talk more about that type of thing a little bit later in the show. Andrew Coyne, what do you think? Well, I guess the question first off the top of my head is, are we talking about every mortgage holder or just some? There's some people, there's lots of people who are still employed who have big mortgages because they've got a lot of income and they've got a big house, an expensive house. So I'm not sure whether it's necessarily the bank's uh, job to forgive the interest on that. Um, more broadly, we're talking about something that's supposed to tide people over through a period of uncertainty. Through, you know, We're going to go for several months and the idea is supposed to be that at the end of it, we're going to come back with something resembling the previous economy. The banks are already uh, foregoing what the, the income they could have earned on the money that they're not receiving from the mortgage payment. So they're already taking something of a hit by doing that. It doesn't strike me as offensive to charge interest on that. I know that will make me the bad guy on the show, even worse than Bane. Uh, <laughs> Tough shoes to fill. But ultimately, I, I'd be careful about we need the banks through this crisis to remain rock solid. They've got a lot of uh, corporate clients who are not paying uh, their loans right now. They've got a lot of, uh, the, you know, if you're, a, if you're a landlord, you're not receiving rent. So you're taking out loans from the bank to tide you through. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, all of this is going to be backstopped by the federal government. So ultimately, I guess what I would say is if the feds want to make sure that nobody's paying interest on their deferred mortgage, then it's the feds job, not the banks. Donna, what do you think about this? David, I, uh, I, can't, I can't even right now because let me tell you something. I am <laughs> homeschooling two children. I am like okay. running a house. I am using my uh, interest payments to teach math to my 14-year-old, okay? My, my <laughs> oldest, Tyler, is basically... A walking hormone right now and, and, and frankly we're just doing what we can to piece it all together fair enough we're all trying to hold together Tyler, do, changed. Oh. do not he doesn't like it <laughs> i'm robert, sorry you, no that's okay robert you brought up an interesting point about the banks cutting their interest rates on their credit cards from 22 to 11 percent and i was reading about that and i looked up you know the prime rate in canada is currently 2.4 percent and isn't this one of those things where well, credit card interest was just sky high to begin with. And even now, it seems the banks are making a lot of profit off it. Don't you think that maybe it should be cut down even more? Even if you factor in the bank's costs, 11% still seems high. Robert, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I thought that it would be it'd be it would be a, a gesture of good faith. I mean, I think that there are a lot of companies out there um, who will continue to or who will profiteer during this, uh, this crisis. And mm -hmm. I think that they are missing an opportunity, frankly, to look like caring corporate citizens, if that's not an oxymoron, and, and say that, you know, down the road, you know, in, in time, in tough times, we were we were there for our, our, our customers and stick with us. I mean, there's a lot of competition in the banking industry. Um, it's not perhaps as much competition as some of us would like, but it's still pretty competitive. So uh, if I if I'm treated poorly by the Bank of Montreal, I can go across the street to the Toronto Dominion Bank or, or to CIBC or, or whatever, I guess. Yeah, I mean, loyalty. I mean, small gestures. I remember when I was in the hospital last year and I called Fido about my um, data because I was in the hospital using a lot of data and they just instantly gave me two gigabyte of data, you know, that, that they said would roll over. And I and I, I, don't, I don't think I'll leave Fido because of that because they didn't have to do that. They could have made money off of me. Uh, Donna, what do you think about the banks cutting interest rates on credit cards? Don't you think they should do a little bit more? Uh, David, uh, let me tell you, every little bit helps. <laughs> Okay, every little bit helps. Frankly, yeah. I think that we should just abolish money until this is all over. Because I went to Sobeys the other day. I wanted to buy <laughs> some chicken breasts. Let me tell you something, David. Yeah. Four chicken breasts were going to cost yeah. me $16. I'm moving to thighs. <laughs> <laughs> it's good advice. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Coyne, what do you think? 
Well, if if the banks are as competitive as Robert says, and I think they are, then the the level of the interest rates in the credit cards is not some sort of thing where they're all in cahoots to 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 to, to drive them up. There's there's going to be a competitive level that does take account of the costs, and credit card debt is a particularly um, not particularly strong type of credit. It's not there's there's going to be a lot of losses to the banks on credit card debt. Second point is if if you are carrying a lot of debt in your, on your credit card, you're you're foolish. You should be taking out a loan to pay off mm-hmm. the credit card because you'll yeah. pay a much lower rate on it. And again, I'm not sure why it's the bank's job to to sort of do what you, do your own homework for you. Bain, what do you think about that? Well, I'd like to speak to your point of being loyal to your customers. I mean, my customers are my criminal organization. And one time (laughs) someone failed to capture Batman. And I was going to cut off one of his hands, but it was his birthday. So I just cut off a couple of fingers. (laughs) And, you know, he's still in the organization. And Mm -hmm. I think it's something that we all need to remember. Loyalty does pay big dividends. It's a very good point. And and, and an unexpected source of loyalty, (laughs) I have to say. All right, well, let's move on to our next topic, big business bailouts. Both Denmark and Poland are denying bailouts to companies that are registered in tax havens, buying back stock shares, or that are paying out dividends. Members of the bloc have called for Canada to adopt a similar policy and not bail out companies that are registered in tax havens. But Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said, quote, we do not want to punish workers based on the company they work for. They have families and communities that depend on them, we are focusing on the workers and not the company, end quote. Now, this is a much more complex issue than I initially thought. Um, panel, what do you think? Should the federal government bail out companies that are registered in tax havens? Andrew Coyne, why don't we start with you? Well, I'm not entirely clear they need to bail out companies at all, as opposed to provide bridge loans. Again, mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, putting we put the economy kind of into a, into a coma uh, for the next few months. But the idea is supposed to be, and, 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 and people should be made whole for that. We can't have, there, there's no fault of their own that they're forced to shut down business for this period of time. Mm-hmm. So fine, let's make sure they have bridging loans so they can get to the other side. Whether they should be getting grants or whatever, I, I, I don't see the point of that. I might be with you on the issue of the tax havens. I don't think the federal government should be, make it their business to decide who gets a grant or a loan or whatever, depending on, on how they happen to reward their shareholders. Ultimately, companies are accountable to their shareholders they either pay them dividends or they pay them capital gains. And one way in which they give them capital gains is by buying back the shares. I don't think that's the business of government to second guess that decision. No, but even, I mean, even a billionaire Mark Cuban said at the beginning of the crisis that any company that gets a bailout should not be allowed to buy back stocks 20 years. And then he said ever, because it really, that goes against the purpose. This is a, you know, kind of like, we're going to help you out. And if you just, just like, you know, when the financial crisis in 2008, when some of those uh, uh, big companies were bailed out and gave everybody bonuses. kind of goes against the purpose. And seeing a lot of movement against this in Europe, in Italy in particular, it seems the public is quite outraged with the thought of uh, tax avoiders benefiting from any of this. Um, Donna, what do you think about this? David, let me tell you something. (laughs) My husband, Norman, works for Staples, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. They are insane right now. Everybody is working from home. even know what to do with him. He comes home. He's just he's just exhausted. If he were to lose his job, David, let me tell you something. What would we mm-hmm. what would we be doing? Would we be surviving off of my Arbon income? Because let me tell you something, David. That's Donna's money. Okay? That's what is Donna's Arbonne? money. What's that? Arbon? Yeah. Oh my God, David, let me tell you something. <laughs> okay. Arbon <laughs> is the best skincare line that you 
or any okay. of your loved ones could ever come across. Now, let me tell you something, David. There's a lot out there on the market right now. Mm-hmm. But if you have problem skin, if you have dry skin, if you have uh, you know, wrinkles, liver spots, aging, you want to talk to me, David? You want to talk Arbonne? Let's talk. Because let me tell you something, David. <laughs> this is not going to last forever. Eventually, you're going to want to go out in the sun again. Okay? True. And you're going to want some sunscreen. David, let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Arbonne? <laughs> Is your friend okay? It's your best friend. Okay, all right, good to know. I think we'll we'll do a special mini episode on Arbon. Okay, well, you just talk um, to me. I'll 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 email all of you at the end of this. All right, good Evan, to know. you stop it. Sorry, stop it. <laughs> it's okay, Robert Benzie. What do you think about the government uh, helping out companies that are registered in tax havens? I'm I'm not a huge fan, and you're going to think this is ironic, given that I work in the newspaper industry. I'm not mm-hmm. a huge fan of governments bailing out uh, private companies. It's not mm-hmm. really a a great precedent to set. But I do think that in this situation, it's a, it, I mean, to Andrew's point, go, uh, companies have been told you cannot operate. So basically the, 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 uh, the entire economy almost has been expropriated as if you were taking over land to build a subway or something. And I, you know, if you have a business and you can't run that business because of, of social distancing and isolation and all those other things, uh, I don't, I don't think it's a, a terrible thing that the government, gives you a bridge loan or gives your company some money or gives your workers $847 a week so that they can stay gainfully employed. I don't have a huge issue with that. And where they are based, I mean, half of the companies in the United States are registered in the state of Delaware, which is itself Mm -hmm. a kind of a tax haven, albeit not offshore. Um, So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, 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 I don't think it's fair for governments to pick winners and losers from based on just where they're based, you know, like Cayman Islands or the, or the Bahamas or whatever. Bain, what do you think about all this? I've got two issues with this current federal government. The first goes back to the SNC-Lavalin crisis, of course. I, you don't probably don't know this, but I was working for the liberal government at that time, and I was <laughs> trying to find out if there was any way we could get it to go away without having to do any kind of court appeal, perhaps maybe some money exchanging hands or something, and that, that, that came back to bite me in the ash in a way I didn't foresee. <laughs> and second of all, do you know how many oil pipelines I've tried to to get started in Alberta, and I keep getting promised that it's going to go through, and then they change their mind every three seconds. This, this federal government is just making me crazy. You know, that being said, <laughs> Denmark and Poland can suck it because my offshore <laughs> bank accounts are actually doing quite horribly right now, and I, I could use a bailout or two. Right. You know how hard it is to run a criminal organization from a Arkham Asylum? It's next to impossible. You can complain all you want about homeschooling. This is driving me crazy. <laughs> We should not underestimate how difficult this time is for criminals, something we talked about on one of the mini episodes. They don't social Uh, distance as much as you'd like them to, I'll tell you that. (laughs) No, and and my friend Hannah Croft, who's living in Italy, said, you know, how can you break in now if everybody's at home? Which I thought was an interesting uh, observation. I have a t-shirt that says that. (laughs) (laughs) Extra, extra, extra large. There you go. You know, this uh, the topic of tax havens and, and what's going on right now, you know, leads to kind of a bigger issue. In uh, 2014, the Canada Revenue Agency estimated that Canadian corporations avoided paying between $9.4 and $11.4 billion in tax, and that's pretty much every year. That comes out to 24 to 29% of the total of corporate taxes paid. Has the time come to eliminate tax havens, to eliminate these loopholes? Andrew Coyne, what do you think? Well, I think there's there's a broader agenda, which is, and we've needed to do this long before the current crisis, 
is mm -hmm. to broaden out the tax base generally to eliminate not just the tax havens if those are I mean we can't do that unilaterally but we, we, what we can do is close the tax preferences and tax breaks within our own country uh, these are tremendously inefficient in that they basically encourage companies to make investments not on the basis of the actual economic returns of an investment but the string of tax goodies associated with it which is dumb uh, and they basically require us to charge that much higher rates to cover the lost revenue. So we're going to need to be looking for every dollar in revenue we can in the years to come because we're going to have ginormous uh, uh, debts to pay. Uh, and we want to do that in a way that's least harmful to the economy. So broadening the base, it seems to me to be an issue that, that's going to come up more and more now. Bain, what do you think? Should we get rid of uh, tax havens? Well, I think what you don't realize is that there's probably a lot of people in Parliament that are using these tax havens themselves. And, and you, you know, you think of politicians perhaps as being just and right, but it's, it's kind of like that time when you're a kid and you see a teacher outside of the classroom for the first time and you realize they're an actual human being. Well, the same applies to these politicians. <laughs> I'm not sure if my point is valid, but I liked my metaphor. <laughs> Well, no, obviously that's, you know, part of the problem with uh, money in politics is, is you know, that's one of the, uh, even a bigger issue. Uh, Robert Benzi, what do you think? Is this, you know, something that's really come of time? You know, we're here, the whole world is hurting and all these governments all over the world are really having to fork the bill for everything. And there's all these corporations who are not paying their fair share due to tax savings. Yeah, I mean, I find it interesting. There's a lot of, you know, uh, business groups that are hailing the government for this this uh, bailout measure or that bailout measure. And yet when the government, the same government or the next government comes around and says, look, we're going to have to increase these taxes uh, because of this massive shortfall that we're going to continue to have for many, many years, these are these same groups will be opposing uh, any tax increases. I mean, so it's a it's a it's a people want everything. I mean, human beings like corporations want everything for free. And, and I, I don't mm -hmm. think they, they really uh, think through the, the uh, well, humans certainly don't and corporations probably don't uh, think through the uh, ramifications. So I, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not crazy about a, a tax haven idea of a, in a place of, you know, that you pay less tax. And but this is a country remember that had a prime minister whose steamship company, Paul Martin steamship line, Canada mm -hmm. steamship lines were based in the Bahamas. I never understood. And I covered that campaign in 2005, 2006, why that wasn't a bigger issue mm -hmm. uh, among Canadian mm -hmm. voters that the prime minister's own family company was based offshore so he could avoid taxes. Donna, what do you think? Is it time to get rid of tax havens? David, let me tell you something. Okay. <laughs> I think that corporations should pay more taxes. All right. Like I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of being stepped on as the little guy. Okay. Let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. The other day I was in Sobeys. Okay. And I had a case of diet yeah. Coke under my cart. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm feeding two growing boys and a husband who's working too hard for his own darn good. Okay. So I have the diet Coke under my cart. I forget to put it on the belt. You want me to lift it up on the belt? Yeah. Talk to me about that. So I walk <laughs> out, I walk out unbeknownst to me, didn't pay for the diet Coke. Mm -hmm. All right. They come after me, practically guns blazing. You want to come after me for a case of Diet Coke? Let's talk to the people who aren't paying their taxes. Am I right? You are. Are you saying people had guns at Sobeys? David, I can't even with this right now. OK, I've got two kids. <laughs> and just so you know, the thing is, is a metaphor, OK? The Diet Coke aspartame is just as bad for you as the sugar that you're trying to avoid. It's best to Bain, avoid. Do not even get me started with you right now because <laughs> I have my own issues with you, all right? That's I have fair. two boys well, here. Well, good luck with them. Okay.
All right, why don't we move on? This is a good time to move on to our next topic, which is Netflix's Tiger King. And spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the series yet, we're going to be giving away some key plot points. So if you don't want to know those plot points, then skip ahead now to the time that I indicated during this episode's intro. All right. Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness debuted on Netflix on March 20th and instantly became a cultural sensation. Here's an audio clip taken from the show's official trailer. It's not every day that a zookeeper went to prison for murder for hire. There are more captive tigers in the U.S. than there are in the wild throughout the world. Animal people are nuts, man. They're all crazy. I'm sure y'all got a story to tell. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Joe Exotic, and this is Sarge. He was like a mythical character living out in the middle of bumfuck Oklahoma who owned 1,200 tigers and lions and bears and shit. Now, I wanted to talk about Tiger King for a number of reasons, one being that the story it tells could literally be the definition of the term stranger than fiction. No one would have ever sat down and written a show like this, and if they did, no one would believe it. And I have to be honest, three weeks ago, I told the panel... We're going to talk about Tiger King, so make sure you watch it. And now, after having watched most of it uh, a second time, I have very mixed feelings about the show and, and my initial reaction to it. Now, we're still going to talk about it, if for no other reason that I basically forced Andrew Coyne to watch the series. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with this. Panel, what are your thoughts about the series Tiger King, and why do you think it became such a phenomenon? Andrew, like I said, I forced you to watch huh. it. I'm going to start with you. Uh, I think it operates on on a number of different levels. It is on one level exploitive. We're watching a freak show uh, with a bunch of very extreme characters with a lot of serious personality problems and with mm -hmm. lurid uh, um, uh, exploits. On the other hand, it's also kind of a, a, an exploration of the ambiguities of the whole trait. I mean, mm -hmm. we're supposed to think from the start, start, perhaps, that Joe Exotic is the bad guy because he's keeping all these cats and making a lot of money off of it. But on the other hand, Carol Baskin is also keeping cats, maybe for different reasons, and she's also making money off of it. They're each obsessed with the other. Uh, it, it, so it has, a, it has, I think, what a lot of great stories have, which is it's it's hard to just instantly dismiss or instantly cheer for any of the characters. There's there's layers and there's ambiguities. Yeah, I mean, there are so many layers and so many ambiguities. Donna, what do you think? David, we, we watched this show as a family because let me tell you something. This was the only thing that we could all agree on to all sit together and watch without a fistfight breaking out. And let me tell you something. I thought it was disgusting. And let me tell you why, David. We would go on many a car trip, okay? And we would drive past the Bowmanville Zoo. Have you ever been to right. the Bowmanville Zoo? We went to the Bowmanville I... Zoo, a small <laughs> zoo outside of the yeah. Metro Toronto area in Bowmanville. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. They'll let you do anything to the animals there. <laughs> I fed an elephant a jelly bean, and I'm not even kidding. It was the highlight of my life. But let me tell you something. Looking back at Tiger King, I'm not so sure that the Bowmanville Zoo was doing the right thing. <laughs> And I think everybody no. in that show was disgusting, a disgusting person, minus maybe a few of the zoo workers who I really do feel believe they care for the animals. Yeah, I mean, the zoo workers do come out as the most uh, humane, and if there's any heroes of the series, it's it's it's, it's them. They were precious. Uh, 
They, they, they certainly were. Do you have a favorite uh, worker from the zoo? Oh, my God. I can't even remember names, David. I'm home, homeschooling these kids. I can barely remember my own names. I liked <laughs> that Saf who lost the arm. I liked that fellow with no legs. I liked uh, that. That's John. Yeah. John Ranky. I, yep. I liked that fella in the bathtub. I thought he oh. was. I thought he was very brave for appearing in a bathtub. I can't even remember what he said. I could not get past the bathtub. Let me tell you something. If something, if someone asked me to appear in a bathtub, David, mm-hmm. guess again. So I thought he was very brave. <laughs> I forgot. I forget who was in the bathtub. I don't remember that scene. Um, but in any case, Robert Benzi, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I'm with Andrew. It, was, it, it, it seemed to me like this dumpster fire you're watching, and it was compelling on on some levels. Um, I mean, if you had told me before this global pandemic that America's sweetheart would be this gay polygamist with a mullet who's in jail for uh, a murder for a hire uh, uh, plot, I would have said, come on. But then, of course, Donald Trump is the president of the United States. So right. what kind of a world are we in? So, I mean, I, I, I understand the allure of the show, I, although I, I'm going to confess, I, I while I'm up on all the plot points, I after two or three episodes, I just found it a really kind of tedious. I mean, that's fair. I mean, it's not for everybody. When I described the show from my, to my mother, she was like, why would I watch that? <laughs> I was like, okay, don't watch that. Uh, Bane, a lot of villains in this show. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Well, I have to be honest. It took me three episodes before I realized it wasn't about Tiger Woods. I kept waiting for golf to come into it. It's quite frustrating. Now, you probably don't know this, but Joe Exotic yeah. was transferred to Arkham Asylum last week, and we've been having oh, really? a lot of a lot of fun with him at the uh, at the Arkham Asylum there. The other day, mm-hmm. the Joker said to him, I guess now you're in a cage, and, and well, Joe Exotic cried for hours on end, and we all had a good <laughs> laugh, you know? Just, I just, I'm laughing thinking about it. Maybe it had to be there, but just, he's really a bad man. I mean, even in Arkham, he stands out. You know, he's not a good mm-hmm. man. He's he's a bit nuts. No, and, and, and you know, that's a good point. Like, like um, Robert, you were saying, you know, he is kind of cast as the hero in this. And, you know, you mentioned that he was convicted for the murder for hire, but he's also convicted for, uh, I believe it was killing five or six uh, uh, tigers, like, kill, you know, for murdering them. Um, I mean, that was a big part of the charges and, uh, you know, people are divided. There was a hashtag free Joe exotic when the show was at its, uh, peak, but what do you all think? Do you think Joe exotic belongs in jail? And, uh, if so, why or why not? Bane, why don't we start with you? I mean, you're there with him. Well, he definitely belongs here. And, and I'll just tell you something. He hogs the taters in the buffet line. <laughs> he just doesn't know when to stop. Yeah. That alone yeah. is a crime in itself. Definitely in prison. It's definitely a crime. Andrew Coyne, what do you think? Uh, I think he was uh, convicted of having uh, uh, hired a hitman to kill his rival or his his enemy. I mean, that's alone. Uh, uh, that 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 deserves jail time. Yeah, he should be in jail. No, for sure. But in the in the series, it portrayed out that maybe he was entrapped in that. But he definitely killed those tigers. Yeah. Like, there was definitely you know case of animal. Uh, I don't know what the term would be. Um, but he definitely killed those tigers. Donna, what do you think? Does he belong in jail? David, let me tell you something. He absolutely belongs <laughs> in jail, okay? And I don't care yeah. if he didn't hire somebody to kill that woman. Now, first of all, that woman I think is also despicable because she's also keeping mm-hmm. big cats. But let me tell you something, David. Mm-hmm. She was targeted because she was a strong female entrepreneur. The things mm-hmm. that he said to and about that woman should be enough to put him in jail for life. I don't care who you think you are or how many big cats you have. You do not comment on a woman's private parts. You do not put snakes in her mailbox. Okay, David, he is disgusting and he should rot in that jail. 
you know, rewatching uh, the third episode where he has to go to the de- the the, the deposition the depositions, and um, he just clams up because he's so proud of everything, you know, on his uh, TV show on Joe Exotic TV, and that yet he was really foolish to copy uh, uh, Big Cat Rescue's name and logo, and it's like I don't know what he thought was gonna happen. Robert, I think we haven't asked you yet, right? If you, what you well, think. And and remember, the other thing too is that we're forgetting the Millie Vanilli element to this story is that he didn't actually <laughs> sing those songs. He's not the no, country singer. Not. I remember when I first when I saw in one of the first episodes where he was singing these country songs, I thought, well, he's got not a bad voice considering he's such a you know freak show on every other element. But then it turns out that was fake. So I'm really I really feel disillusioned. It was. <laughs> Some of the worst lip syncing I'd ever seen. You know it's a video and you know it's fake, but it's like there's no way that voice was coming out of that body. Then, you know. If you can't, Let me ask you. If you sorry, can't, man. if you can't trust a polygamous tiger abuser and 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 possible murder for hire person, who can you trust? I guess. So I have that on a t-shirt as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the back of the other one. Now, you know, I have to say, I don't know if it's more poetic or ironic that most people would have watched Tiger King while in quarantine or self-isolation. It certainly gives you a new perspective on the lives of caged animals. Panel, what kind of effect do you think Tiger King and spending over 50 days in self-isolation will have on people's opinions of zoos? Donna, what do you think? Does this change your opinion or think it'll change the public? Listen, David, I, I've already talked about the Bowmanville Zoo. I, I, I feel like I'm a tiger <laughs> in a cage myself right now, David. And, and frankly, yeah. put me down because I don't know how much longer I can take it with these two. Okay. <laughs> Robert Benzie, what are your thoughts on that? You think this is going to change and, and being locked up for as long is going to change what people think about zoos? I mean, certainly zoos are, are needed to an extent for um, preservation, but I don't know. There's this whole other side to them that I, I think, you know, it's just... I don't think it's going to change people's perceptions of things like the Toronto Zoo, but mm-hmm. uh, to Donna's point, it might change the perception of some of these private zoos that you know you are you know you drive by and see a sign on the highway. Um, I, I, I that was one revelation from the show that I was surprised by that was that there are more uh, big cats in captivity in the United States than there are in the wilds all over the world. So yeah, I think yeah, I think that will change some of their perceptions. But I think of all of the the things that are going to come out of fifty days in in or and plus 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 uh, of us in pandemic isolation. I don't, I'm not sure that zoo, um, the, the feelings about zoos are going to be the, the, the ones that historians are going to be writing about. No, probably not. But I, I was just thinking about, you know, <laughs> it's changed your the context. Though, David. No, for sure. Bane, what do you think? Well, 50 days self-isolation is a bit of a joke, if you ask me. You should look at my, <laughs> my life sentence behind a cage. And I just yeah. want to say one thing. When you're behind bars... And you're mm-hmm. looking through bars. No matter what side you're on, the other side is the zoo itself. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Bane. I bet you had a lot of time to think about that. Uh, Hannibal Lecter gave me that one, actually. I should give him a <laughs> shout out. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, Andrew Coyd, what do you think? Bane and Hannibal Lecter. Like, yeah. That's quite, a, quite an image. It's good uh, times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Never play poker with him, though. He's. I, I, I thought I had a good poker face, but I can't read him. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the show certainly makes you think about whether it's uh, humane to keep animals in captivity at all. And I, I, I think I would still come down the score that on the side that I don't think zoos are in and themselves uh, abusive. I think it matters how they're mm-hmm. being kept. Right. Uh, but it's a tough one, and and because you know the, the the guys who run these private zoos would say, well, we're treating them well, we're you know we're not uh, uh, we're just letting people pet them. Is that in itself abusive? 
Um, but if they're not being allowed to kind of have a, a something approaching a wild existence, then then that raises real questions. Yeah, it certainly does. And guess what, everyone? Now it's time for us to play fact or fiction. Each month while doing research for the show, I come across a story that makes me think, this is the craziest thing I've heard since Tiger King. <laughs> and then I find a few more stories that are just as crazy. So we're going to use some of them now and uh, to play fact or fiction. I'm going to read a headline, and then I'll ask each panelist if they think it's a factual story or fiction. Feel free to play along at home. Okay, panelists, are you ready? Ready. Okay. Number one, man allegedly teaching his dog to drive arrested after high-speed chase. Fact or fiction? Donna, what do you think? Fact. <laughs> okay. I know no this is true for there. a fact because I have seen some of the way people drive down my street, David, and, and they are dogs. <laughs> okay. Robert Benzie, fact or fiction? I'm going to say fiction, though. I'd love this one to be fact. Okay, Bane. Uh, if it's in Florida, then it's definitely fact. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking Andrew Coyne's ride. Oh, sorry, Andrew. I'll, I can do something else, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as I, I it's, it doesn't say if it's in Florida or not. So. Uh, I, I'll give something else. Uh, I'm going to say it's fact because, you know, I have nothing now. All I had was Florida. I'll, <laughs> I'll say fact because some men, you know, dogs are just like companions to them. And why not teach them everything you'd want them to do? All right. If, Andrew Coyne. Oh, sorry. Oh, one more. If cars can soon drive themselves, why not dogs? <laughs> That's true. Andrew Coyne, fact or fiction? Dave, I wasn't paying attention. Was this in Florida? I didn't say. Oh, okay. I'm going to say fiction then. You're going to say fiction. All right. It is 100% a fact. Ah, wow. Yeah. And I think, I think Bane, it was a guy trying to teach his best friend the dog to do things that he could do. Um, this was uh, on CNN on March 31st of this year. All right. Let's move on. And this next one takes place in Florida. Here we go. Hey. Florida governor expands pandemic essential services to include professional wrestling, fact or fiction? Andrew Quinn, I'll start with you. <laughs> no hesitation. Bane, what do you think? I'm going to say this is fiction. I mean, there is that. It just seems too too outrageous, even for for Florida, which is you know the king of outrageous news. True, Robert Benzi, fact or fiction? Unfortunately, it's fact because Governor Ron DeSantis is a is a maniac. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Bane. No offense. Gives <laughs> maniacs a bad name. Donna, do you think it's fact or fiction? David, I know it's fact because I have two boys, okay? <laughs> I have two boys and I know more about wrestling than anybody yeah. ever needs to know in their whole life, okay? Okay. All right. Well, it is 100% fact <laughs> taken from April 14th of this year from Slate and it's on plenty of other uh, uh, news websites. You can read about it and... Yes, the panel had a lot of correct opinions there. All right, let's move on to our next one. 2020 gathering of the Juggalos canceled due to COVID-19. Fact or fiction? Donna, why don't we start with you? What the hell's a Juggalo? Is that clowns? <laughs> it is, yes. Oh, I don't know. I mean, saying clown posse, yes. Yeah, a fact. I <laughs> okay, Andrew Coyd, fact or fiction? I'm going to say fiction because they would not have heard of COVID. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, Bane, what do you think? Uh, I'd say fact, but on a side note, I'm having a gathering of the Gruffalos. I read a, that, that <laughs> lovely children's book uh, online. Yeah. Please go to Bane.com slash Gruffalo, and you can ha- have your child put to sleep while listening to my soothing tones. Sorry, put to sleep? <laughs> well, in a manner of speaking. <laughs> okay. Uh, Robert Benzi, fact or fiction? The, are these juggalos, are they, do they sell sex? No, it's they, not. Like juggalos? It, no, I mean, no, juggalos are fans of the insane clown posse. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. Oh, I, I've never heard of them, but, but it sounds insane, so I'll say fact. All right. Well, it is 100% fact, and that story is from Rolling Stone, April 23rd. And Andrew, this is a quote just for you, taken from the article. The bottom line is that we refuse, and that's all in capital letters, refuse to risk even one juggalo life by hosting a gathering during these troubled times. And that's a statement from the insane clown posse for all the juggalos out there. And guess what, everybody? That's the end of the podcast. (laughs) I like like to thank all of our panelists, Andrew Coyne, Robert Benzi, Jen Caruana as a not real mother of two Donna, and Paul Constable as a completely fake supervillain Bane. Music for the Panel Show podcast was provided by Jim Clayton. You can get more info about the show on our website, thepanelshow.com, and also follow us on Facebook under The Panel Show Podcast or on Twitter at Panel Show Pod. My name is David Shore. Thank you for listening. Please stay safe and wash your hands. 